The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the law office of David A. Bates, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. JP and Mo with you. Chris is on family assignment today as um, he and his uh, lovely wife Sarah will be welcoming in their firstborn today. Big day. February the 25th, Mo. As, uh, it, as it was pointed out to me last night when I got home and, and informed my other half you know, updated yeah. her. She's like, she's going to be born on my birthday. So happy oh. birthday to Jody. There you go. Happy but, birthday, Jody. So, but, um, yeah, yeah, she's, she's hoping that this plays out in that manner. That, so that that'll be she easy. And to Charlie can celebrate yeah. birthdays together going forward. So. That'll, that'll be easy to remember. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what is your, uh, name going to be for Charlie? Do we know I, this yet? I, I think Papa Mo Papa was Mo? What, what they said. So you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. How's that feel? Yeah. Well, Jody already has two, and so yeah, yeah that's it's 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 kind of cool. I don't have a problem with it. There you go, it, Papa it's Mo. Ta- it's taken some getting used to, yeah. but I've had a little time. So yeah, yeah. like it. Like it. Um, well, we want to uh, bring in uh, our next guest, uh, no stranger to the program here, uh, with the athletic Joe Rexroad uh, joins us on the program. Joe, welcome back. Appreciate you joining us, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you, Joe. Good morning, man. Um, has has any college basketball program been affected by injuries the last three years the way Vanderbilt has? Yeah, great, great question, Mo. I mean, my goodness. Uh, you think about uh, you know, for for anybody who doesn't know, you know, Dylan Dessou now knee surgery. I guess tomorrow, you know, probably have to wait for the swelling to go down. Um, so he's done for the year, and he's, you know, maybe not their best player, but he's it's a one A one B thing with him and Pippen. And you go back to last year, their best player certainly was Aaron Neesmith, lost early in the season, and then we all know about Darius Garland the year before. Pretty amazing. You have this kind of brutal luck. Um, also, it's just Vanderbilt in general. You know, yesterday, like a few hours before the game, you know, Keon Henry Brooks, who I think is probably the best football player coming back for Vanderbilt next year, announces he's going in the transfer portal. So it's like everything but baseball. Uh, you know, right now there's like a cloud over it. 
<laughs> Hush your mouth, Joe. That was me knocking on wood right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah let, they, let, they're doing just fine. Let 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 let's get let's get Kamar and and Lighter and um and the kid that pitched last night, Christian. I lose his last Christian night. Right? Yeah, yeah, Christian. Right? Yeah. But let, yeah. Let's get those guys wrapped in bubble wrap. You know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Shoot. Um, Unbelievable. On the. Sp- on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, we do have Joe Rex Road of the Athletic, and I, and I didn't really let him get settled in, but the Commodores falling last night at Memorial Gym to 25th ranked UT 70 to 58, and with Scotty Pippen Jr. and with Dylan DeSue out, things got a little easier for UT because I really felt like the way Vandy had been playing the last little bit and the way UT had been playing the last little bit, this might have been a winnable ball game for Vanderbilt. Oh, very much so. I agree. You know, of course, Vanderbilt last week, I mean, Kentucky's playing really well. Kentucky's week last week was going to Vanderbilt, going to Tennessee. They had they took a big lead against Vanderbilt, had to really scratch and claw to win. I mean, Jordan Ray had a chance to win that game at the foul line in the, in, in the last minute. And then they go to Knoxville and just thump the balls. And, of course, Vanderbilt goes and almost beats Alabama on the road. So they've been playing really well, not getting rewarded for it. And like you said, Mo, I mean, Tennessee has not been playing well. And it's uh, just incredible to me that last night I went to Maxwell Evans go dunk on Eve Ponds. The fact that that would ever happen anyway was pretty amazing. And he had a chance to make that a three-point game late, uh, which I just I, – I never would have guessed it could have been that competitive, which I give credit to Vanderbilt for fighting and figuring out ways. And they hit a bunch of threes, you know, Trey Thomas and – Isaac McBride are hitting threes. I didn't know where they were going to get points. But also, to Tennessee. I mean, if Tennessee didn't have Victor Bailey red hot right now, I, I fear what this offense is already kind of a muddled mess, especially when this team has to play slow. And that's, I mean, to me, the book on Tennessee is unless you're a team that absolutely has to play at a high pace, I mean, make them play slow and play in the half court because. They, they are going to resort to jump shots if you play solid defense. So a lot of, a lot of things for them to work out, and I was, I was very surprised. I thought when we got that news last night, guys, that we were looking at like a 30, 35-point game just because I didn't know where Vanderbilt would score. And the fact that it wasn't a 30 or 35-point game, does that – should that be more of a concern for Tennessee? I mean, it, it seems to me that it was more on Tennessee that it wasn't a 30 or 35-point game. I mean, like you said, Vanderbilt stayed in it, but Tennessee wasn't able to blow them out. Yeah, you know, just just some weird turnovers and even just possessions in the half court where it's kind of like the, the – I just feel like this team has a, a – a crisis, a little identity crisis, a little bit right now in terms of who should be doing what, and it, it, it hurts that John Fulkerson just appears to have no confidence, or he's banged up, he's lost his confidence, whatever it is. You know, John Fulkerson, the first twelve games of the year, averaging twelve point two points a game, getting to the line, I think about five times a game. You know, being aggressive, and that's when you have to play half court. That's what I thought this team would be. They can throw into Fulkerson; he can. At least get himself a decent shot. He can draw a foul. He can, if he draws extra defense, he makes the right pass. And it's like they've totally lost that element. And as we know, I mean, Rick Barnes 
I mean, you talk about someone who knew exactly what he wanted to do, a team that did. When they were in a tough spot with those great teams a few years ago, you throw it into Grant Williams, and he's going to do something for you. And I thought not to that same level, but I thought to some level Fulkerson would be that, and he's not. And so he played 16 minutes last night. And um, so I think their best lineup is with Pons at the five and going small, but you still have to – like you have to be able to be in the paint one way or the other, you know, and, and force teams to guard you. And I don't think they drive enough. And I don't think they attack enough. And I think moving forward – I mean, who, who saved them last night? You got a Keon Johnson backdoor dunk. Jaden Springer on the next possession just drives in one-on-one and makes a tough leaner off the glass. And those are the two plays of the game. And as they move forward, I think they just have to feature those freshmen more and maybe post them up more and hope that Pons, if Fulkerson can't figure it out, at least that Pons watches film of him like driving and dunking on three guys and realizes you don't have to shoot fade away a 15-footer. Don't use that big, strong body. If you get fouled, great. That's good. You know, um, Chris and I have talked about Fulkerson, and I'm wondering, Joe, is the Fulkerson that we saw last year, was that the anomaly? I mean, is he regressing to the norm this year? Are we expecting too much out of him? See, I would, I could buy that more easily if this was this whole year. But again, I mean, the first 12 games of this year, it's exactly what I thought he'd be this year, you know. I, I knew his scoring average because last year I think he averaged about 14 and a half mm-hmm. or something like that. And, they, and he had to. And that team was so limited. So I figured his scoring average would go down, but I thought he could, you know, maybe be better. I mean, he talked the offseason about extending his range. That hasn't really come into play. But still, 12.2 points a game in the first 12 games of the year. There's some good teams mixed in there. Um, that's exactly what you want from him. So, I, I mean, I, I feel like there's something – that happened around midseason that has, you know, affected him. Um, and I, I mean, you know, again, yeah, I mean, I asked Rick, Rick Barnes this question Monday, like, is there some kind of physical thing that we don't know about? And Rick Barnes basically was like, nah, I mean, we've asked the same question, but they think it's mental, it's confidence. So, so yeah, I think you're right. Like last year, like, you know, he goes to Kentucky and just tears them apart one night. That's an anomaly. That's not him. He's not going to be some dominant guy. He's not an NBA player. But he's a guy that I think if you can just at least rely on being able to throw the ball into him in tough spots, get 10, 12 points from him, that's fine. That's perfect. 20, 25 minutes. Then I think this team would just be much better off. Right now he's headed toward, you know, he's in the mid-teens in minutes and very little. I think he took, what, two shots last night? Or maybe maybe three or four. I mean, that's just not enough. And, And this team needs some kind of presence inside. Conversely, you talk about this Vanderbilt team in the week they had last week. Lost to Kentucky, lost to Alabama by matching 82-78 scores. Now, obviously, they're, again, without Pippen for some period of time, without DeSue for the rest of the season. Um, you had a great article not too long ago on Jerry Stackhouse, the, the second-year Vanderbilt coach, and um, what he's dealing with, what he's dealt with. They are farther along than some people want to give them credit for. Is that fair to say? Um, that, that you're saying that the, the program under Stackhouse yes. is not as far along? No, it is farther along. I, I think that there oh, has been more yeah. improvement made 
under during Stackhouse's tenure than some people care to believe or acknowledge. Oh, I don't, I, I, no, I, I absolutely do. And I understand, look, at some point, you know, it's like you, you are what your record says and all that stuff, and that's fine. But you also always have to look at starting point for any coach. And if a coach inherits a team that went 0-18 in the SEC, that tells you what you want to know, especially a team, you know, that had talent went 0-18 in the SEC. So there was a lot to do. I mean, to me, the perfect example of progress would be a guy who's in the NBA right now, Saban Lee. You told me after his sophomore year, after his first two years under Bright through, that he would be this year, you know, uh, getting 21 points and, like, really controlling an NBA game, I, I would have said there's just no way. Now, whenever these things happen, I always say, look, the first credit has to go to the player. I mean, the player works uh, 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 in whatever sport it is. I mean, it's still – that's the ultimate – and I think sometimes coaches take too much credit for that. I mean, John Calipari is like, look at all the NBA players I developed. And it's like, yeah, well, you recruited NBA players, and they were there for a year. So, I mean, I'm sure, you know – they improved in that year, but I mean, sometimes that goes overboard. So I don't want to give Stackhouse too much credit for Saban Lee, but look at how he played last year and how he turned into a guy who sees the floor, who attacks. He put him in spots that you know that emphasized his strength, and he took away his, you know and de-emphasized his weakness. And that's what coaching is: putting guys in position. So there's a guy who definitely owes some something to what Stackhouse did as a coach. I mean, look at how much better Pippen is this year than last year. Look at how much better DeSue has been this year than last year. Players are improving. They are improving as a team. They're not getting the results. They could also, I mean, they could easily right now have six or seven SEC wins. You got to learn how to win. And again, you know, at some point you got to do it. You got to flip it around. You got to win games. But I think if you are a Vanderbilt fan and you closely watch this program, I don't know how you could possibly not detect the progress. I think that if you don't, I think you had your in your mind made up that you weren't going to. I mean, I think it's actually pretty easy to see. Joe Rex Road, our guest on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Joe, this is JP, and and, and as a Vandy fan, yes, I can tell the difference. Of course, as a Vandy fan, you know we are uh, all about moral victories. That's what we that's what we <laughs> grew up on, right? Um, I, I want to expand a little bit uh, to the conference uh, as a whole. Uh, Arkansas over Alabama last night. That's five in a row now for the Razorbacks heading into postseason. How would you rank the SEC top-tier teams that have a shot uh, into the tournament? I mean, Alabama, obviously, with the record, probably going to win the regular season, um, but they don't appear to be as good as they were early in the year. How would you rank the uh, SEC top-tier? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, JP. Obviously, a big win for Arkansas, uh, really fiery, good game, and I, I like Arkansas. No one has talked about them, but that's a team I think to be dangerous. Certainly Alabama. I mean, my concern with Alabama is you have, it's just a team that is so reliant on shooting. Um, you have that one cold night where sometimes, you know, sometimes it can snowball either way with an outside shooting. Team. And if you have that, that cold night, are you good enough all the way around to beat a good team? You know, we'll see, but I mean, it's still a really, I mean, it's a really good team. I, they're so much fun to watch. Um, and, you know, I think when they're fully healthy, they are dangerous. Um, you know, like I still think, I, I still think Tennessee absolutely 
belongs on a list of teams that could do damage in the tournament. Um, they, they have things to figure out, but they have also, they have some performances and stretches to point to this year too, where it's like, see this, this wins, like this will win in March, you know, defending and rebounding and running. And they've got, I mean, I think they're so uh, much better at a faster pace. I think they're dangerous still. I also listen, if Tennessee goes out early to a lower seed, I, I'm not going to be shocked um, because I think they have let themselves be too reliant on shooting. But those three, um, I, I still I like Florida too. You know, as a team, I mean the SEC is weird this year. Whenever Kentucky's down, it, it feels like a really down league. But I do think there are a lot of, and there aren't. You know, in in that void, no one has stepped in and been. You know, it's like a one seed kind of team. Maybe Alabama kind of looked that way early. But I do think there are a lot of good teams, good programs, good coaches that could sneak up and and do some damage. I'm really interested looking at what Kermit Davis is doing with Ole Miss right now on a little run and trying to get them into the field. And they could be dangerous if they got in. You kind of led me to my next question, Joe. Um, you know, the lack of blue bloods really across all of college basketball, Kentucky, uh, in that mix as well. It makes it feel as a whole that the conference may be down, but I think it's quite the opposite. It's it's a little more deep than it's been, and you look back the last two or three years, uh, it's been that way. It's better than it was, right? Right? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I remember, you know, so I, I got here five years ago, and it was bad. Um, you know, the league just was not good. You know, it was Kentucky and everybody else. And, um, it has, I think it's gotten way better, way deeper, better roster of coaches. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's definitely progress, but you know, whenever you talk about leagues, you know, when you're comparing leagues, this league's up, this league's down, rank them or whatever, a lot of it comes down to is your blue blood playing like a blue blood or do you have, you know, do you have elite teams? And obviously there are other leagues that are, are stronger than, than the SEC this year. So I guess in a way, I mean, I guess if Kentucky is a year like this, you have to call it a down year, and I think that's fair. But still, solid programs with some really good players and some teams that I think once they get into that tournament can do something. And I think, I mean, look look at Vanderbilt. You know, obviously you're talking about last place. That's, a, that's a, not a bad – when they're healthy, when they've been healthy, it's a pretty good look every night for anybody who plays them. I mean, ask all these teams that had to survive them, and, and you know, it's Kentucky twice. Um, I think, I think, like you said earlier, Mo. I mean, I think Vanderbilt was primed to maybe win that game last night with a full squad. So that's the thing. When you have depth, it it does matter. It should be considered. But in that national conversation, people focus on the Kentuckys, the Dukes, et cetera, et cetera. And it's interesting that you both you guys say that because next Thursday we have got teed up CBS Sports Bracketologist Jerry Palm to come on with us and kind of um, give us that 30,000-foot view of the SEC and the brackets in general, that kind of thing. So looking forward to that next Thursday um, during this same hour. So if you're listening, put that on your calendar. But, um, Joe, you, you had a, a tweet, I think, either yesterday or the day before regarding maybe a UT Belmont matchup in the opening round of the NCAAs. And I'm not asking you about this from a UT standpoint, but from a Belmont standpoint, we had Casey Alexander on a few weeks ago. Obviously what they are doing right now has been pretty well chronicled. How high do you see them getting in a best case scenario? 
Man, that's such a great question. Um, I mean, if you go by the Palms and Lenardis of the world, I think most people have them around that 12 spot. And, you know, I think this team could be better than that. Um, it's just they just ended up not having that opportunity this year. Um, I think this team absolutely could have a couple real strong victories in its back pocket. You know, they were supposed to play in that tournament in Orlando. Uh, I know. I think they're actually going to specifically play Michigan State. Well, I guess this year that wouldn't have mattered as much. Michigan State's not very good, but you know, maybe somebody else in Orlando. Another maybe their other two games would have been you know really good chances for wins. Um, it, it's just like by the strictly by the numbers. Obviously, you know, they don't have. Um, they don't have numbers that even compare with like past Belmont teams' profiles uh, going into Selection Sunday, but my goodness, they're twenty-four and one, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, like to me, if they win these two this weekend, and, and they're tough games, you know, Eastern Kentucky, Morehead State, second, third in the league, and then you know, do what they intend to do in the OVC tournament. You're talking, I guess they'd only play two games, right? I think that's right. Uh, the way they do the tournament, mm-hmm. I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah, because so, they get a, they get about the semis, I believe. Get a, yeah, get about the semis. So you're talking about twenty eight and one. I mean, I, I you know, I guess I'd still probably strictly by the numbers still expect them to be somewhere around a twelve. That's a twelve that whatever that five is is not happy about it. And I understand. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we talk about the five twelve game anyway. And that happens a lot, but. You know, that's whoever the five is, and I know it's, they say this stuff anyway, but you're going to hear a lot from that coach about how, you know, <laughs> this should not be who they're playing. <laughs> they're really, really good. Uh, Belmont is that perfect 12 seed. Yeah, no question. Uh, Joe Rex Road has been our guest here on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Joe, how can people uh, follow you and listen to you uh, for some uh, great work? Well, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, at Joe Rex Road on Twitter at theathletic.com. Or is where I write, and then uh, 102.5 in Nashville, Robbie and Rex Road, 6 to 10 in the mornings. So nice and early. Nice and early, 6 o'clock. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I hope you're enjoying that. Yeah, you know, I'm used to it. I will say, like a few years ago, I don't think there's any way, because I've always been a night owl, but it's, it's funny how you get older and you start kind of kind of appreciating some sunrises and and not needing to stay up for like Letterman or whatever at twelve thirty, so it, it gets easier. And dating yourself, Joe. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly. I tell you, I, you I guys did, know what I'm talking about. I, I did a six o'clock show for about three months, and I don't think I could have done it for three months in a day. I really don't. So, um, hey, Joe, we need a nap right now. <laughs> well, go take one, man. Hey, we appreciate you. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. See ya. All right, uh, Joe Rex Road, uh, always great stuff uh, here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show. Kind of get a little wild card segment, Mo. How about that? That'll work. That'll go. All right, stay with us. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. We'll be back right for this. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. 
If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. You didn't know you wanted, but you always wanted. JP uh, filling in for Chris. And as always, the um, the Hall of Famer Mo with us. By the way, um, our buddy uh, Jeff, who is um, engineering us down at uh, WZYX, who's with us on Tuesday and Thursday, had we talked about the name for you, Papa Mo. Mm-hmm. He had a name for you for uh, for little Charlie that's about to be born, Mopa. <laughs> nice. How about that, Mopa? Well, well done, Jeff. <laughs> there we go. Well done. Yeah. Yes. Golf, golf clap. <laughs> golf clap. Mopa. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll 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 try those out. We'll we'll throw those at Charlie and and see which one she picks. You know what? I, the one thing that I have realized. Through this grandparenting, pseudo grandparenting, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing, you don't pick names. No, no, they do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, to think that uh, you actually have a say so in what that is. No, it's, what, that's what, not... whatever they wind up calling you is 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 <laughs> is what you wind up with. So oh man, and, and you'll answer to it. Yeah, because I've seen it with my parents. I, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, my parents are my kids' grandparents. Yep, totally different folks. But um, some kind of way, my kids came up with Nana okay. for my mother. Yeah. And no idea because there's never been anyone in my family referred to as that. But that's what that's what my oldest came up with. And so that's kind of what she is. Well, my maternal grandmother's name was Muv, M-U-V. Uh, I think because my oldest cousin... Uh, when she was real little, mm-hmm. you know, mother, muv, it just mm-hmm. kind of came out and somehow that stuck. Muv, M U V. And she was known to all of our friends, everybody. She, it was, she was muv. Yep. So, yep. Once, once you get it, it, it <laughs> sticks. <laughs> sticks. Yeah. So, so, you know, my mom is Nana and Jody is 
grand, I think. Okay. For for her grandkids. And so, you know, but it's it's them. It's all on them. Yep. And it's whatever they come up with. And like I said, you're gonna answer to whatever it is. Uh-huh. So by the way, uh Chris Chris uh confirmed that Charlie will probably decide what ultimately what the name is. Oh yeah. So yeah. he does say he does say that uh, it's better than Aunt Granny though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go back earlier. Was it this week? Earlier yeah, in the week? That, that was earlier Granny? this week. There's yeah. a story behind we're, that. We're, we're trying to forget Aunt Granny, actually, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it figures that the Alabama guy would come uh, up with that. Yep. So, absolutely. Um, final few minutes here on this uh, Thursday edition. Uh, we'll of course be back tomorrow. And if you missed any part of this uh, today, uh, check out our podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Search for SMTN Prep Sports for the first hour, or SMTN Sports, and uh, you can find all kinds of great stuff. Also, special guests uh, like who we just had, uh, Joe Rex Road. Uh, you can hear just that as well. Plenty of ways uh, to find out that. And, uh, of course, always go to sm-tnsports.com for the latest in um, sports coverage across southern middle Tennessee. Expanding a little bit, um, we've talked uh, briefly. J.J. Watt, of course, you know, leaving Houston. And the Titans have been in the mix from day one. Obviously, the, the direct tie-in, Mike Vrabel, uh, the coach of the Titans was his defensive coordinator, of course, Mo at Houston. Uh, he, the Titans are certainly part of that, but the Browns now have an offer on the table, reportedly worth uh, between fifteen and sixteen million, um, which I guess for a three-time defensive play of the year is not that bad. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, your quarterbacks obviously are going in the thirty and forty million dollar range. I mean. This is about as good a defensive player as you can get, right? A 31-year-old yeah. time defensive player of the year. Yeah, a little who, age on who him. But. clearly is, you know, being being realistic about it, is on the backside of his career, but can definitely have something to bring to the table for you. Um, looking at an article here on CBSSports.com, um, Packers, Bills, Titans are viewed as the current front runners, but the Browns and Raiders are are in the mix. Um, this is um, it, Obviously, this is going to be an interesting situation to see where he does wind up. Uh, I think that a case can be made for the Titans because obviously, as we've discussed earlier, pass rushing and being able to get to the quarterback and, and make the quarterback a little uncomfortable, disrupt him a little bit, is what's been missing for some time for Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, they tried, obviously, with uh, Jadavian Clowney. It didn't work out for several reasons. Uh, you've got big Jeff Simmons in there, so you would think that somebody like a J.J. Watt would pair well, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the the the, the, the Jadavian Clowney, <laughs> yeah. say that three times uh-huh. fast, situation I don't think was as glaring as the Vic Beasley Oh, you're right. Situation. Yep. But um, they have, you know, they took, they swung and missed on a couple of rushers last year. I, I don't think J.J. Watt would fall into that category were they able to get him. Obviously, being a Wisconsin native and having played at Wisconsin, Green Bay is going to be in play right until he makes a decision. I, I saw an interesting um, post on Facebook earlier this week where, where somebody was giving him grief about having not made a decision yet. And he's like, dude, 
I study DoorDash for an hour before I pick a restaurant to order from. <laughs> You're going to have to give me a second or two yeah. to pick a new city and a new team. You know? yep. So um, he's not in a hurry. No, nor should he be. The season doesn't start anytime soon. That's so, true. But, you know, I think it would make sense for the Titans, obviously. I think it would make sense for a lot of folks. It would be, I think it would create some excitement around this franchise if they were able to get even a, you know, backside of his career, mm-hmm. edge rusher, J.J. Watt. Well, if nothing else, uh, regardless of you know being 31, um, he's still going to draw a lot of attention, mm-hmm. which could open things up for people like Jeff Simmons and, and perhaps others. Yeah, Harold Landry yeah. and some guys like that. So yeah. if nothing else, uh, the presence that he draws, I think, is is almost worth it. Um, uh the Titans, of course, the Browns with that offer. Uh, the Steelers reported uh, interest as the Buffalo Bills. Those are kind of the uh, the four teams, uh, the front runners, I guess, if you will. Um, and it looks like it's basically just going to be his choice. And and I, I don't know if it's if it's going to be all just about money for him. I don't think it stage. will be all about money. I think you know, having played for Houston for as yeah. long as he has, I think the the opportunity. To play deep into the postseason is going to be a motivator as well. Yeah, which I think is good news for the Titans, because um, you don't think of the Titans as you know big money pockets, but uh, it's a good place to be, I would think. Right now, yeah. when you when you put together a short list of teams that can make a run in the postseason, mm-hmm. I think this past year notwithstanding, and what would help address some of the reasons for that. I think the Titans are in that mix. There you go. All right. Well, Mo, our time is up. It's been fun today. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Uh, Best of luck uh, as we welcome little Charlie into the world today. Uh, We'll be thinking about you, Chris and Sarah. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Have a great Thursday, everybody.